grace to you and peace, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Uh, again, as I mentioned during the announcements, uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, neither was I, at least in physical form. Uh, if you were here last week, you, you watched a pre-recorded sermon that I had made uh, a couple of weeks prior, uh, because I knew I would be taking a little bit of time off uh, here in June uh, with the birth of our child. Um, we did have uh, our third child born uh, last Wednesday, so about 10 days ago, and we named her Phoebe Grace. And so here's what y'all been waiting for. Here's a picture of our daughter. So we give God thanks for uh, a healthy birth and uh, for a happy and growing family. Uh, both my wife and, and child and, and other children are doing well. Um, we, we have my mom and my mother-in-law actually in town with us right now. Uh, they'll be leaving after church today, so uh, reality will set in that we have three kids uh, later on this afternoon. So um, we're, we're doing well, and again, we, we would um, just continue to request your ongoing prayers for our family and, and as a father uh, that, uh, that I would demonstrate Christ's love and forgiveness to these children and that they would grow up uh, to know their Savior, Jesus Christ. So I would welcome those ongoing prayers. Again, uh, last week, the, the sermon that you, you heard uh, that was pre-recorded was based on our congregational um, emphasis, our, our purpose. And as we say we are a vibrant and growing family of God, truly and fully alive in Christ. We're alive in Christ. That's our emphasis on, on, on who we desire to be and, and what we desire to live out. It's, it's words of gospel truth. Uh, that we can't make ourselves alive in Christ who is rich and merciful uh, gives us that fullness of life. That's our, our modern um, verbiage and application on what our purpose is as a congregation. Um, but really, nothing has changed in who we are as a congregation in the 150 years of our existence. Can you believe that? 150 years this congregation has been around. Longer than any one of you or me, right? This congregation has been around for 150 years, and for 150 years, it uh, has had the same mission statement in our church constitution. So leading up to our anniversary celebration on July 23rd, again, we're, we're taking one phrase at a time of our church constitution and, and flushing it out uh, so that we can really live and breathe what, what it means to be a member here at St. Peter and Paul. So let me read for you this mission statement in its entirety as it's existed since 18. 68. <laughs> the purpose of this congregation shall be to give honor and glory to God, to carry out his will, to assist in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world, to manifest the unity of our faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior, to foster a Christian fellowship and love, to extend a helping hand in human need, and to achieve our objectives by the preaching of the word of God, by the administration of the sacraments, and by the religious instruction of all its members according to the confessional standards of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. So today we focus on this phrase that's highlighted, that we, we exist to manifest the unity of our faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior. And we're going to really zero in on this, on this topic of unity, of unity of the faith in Jesus Christ. So within this congregation... And again, I kind of demonstrated it during the kids' lesson, but in this congregation, even in this room today, there are many individuals. As a matter of fact, every single one of you in this room is an individual. 
uniquely created and crafted by God to be the way that you are, to look the way that you are, to have the personality that you have. Every, every single one of you is unique in God's sight, uniquely gifted of, of all people throughout time and space. Just think of that creative power of our God. Every one of you are unique. Not one of you are exactly the same. Not one of you have the same interests or personalities. And yet God knows you. So you are unique, you are individuals, and yet at the same time you can look around this room and you can find commonalities with one another. Right? Some of you, some of you, um, you know, you, you, share, uh, you, you share the same likes, right? Maybe some of you like the same sort of food, and some of you dislike the same sort of food. Some of you cheer for the same sports teams, and some of you oppose sports teams. Some of you vote with a specific political party, and some of you vote with a different one. Some of you share the same hairstyle, or lack of hair, altogether, right? Some of you have different commonalities that you share, and yet not one of those commonalities, not one of those common interests can bring about true unity among people. Not one of those things can bring about the true unity that God promises us in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, in this world, among sinful people, the only thing that can bring true unity is Jesus Christ. The fact that he is God and he is our Savior. Unity only comes through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4 today, we hear the Apostle Paul talk about unity. We only read the first 16 verses of Ephesians 4. Uh, it's about twice that long, so if you were to continue reading, the whole chapter deals with unity within a Christian congregation. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, throughout his letters in the New Testament, often talks on this topic of unity. And I believe he has to talk about unity so often to these different congregations because people inherently have a difficult time being united with one another. People are naturally selfish and self-centered and have a difficult time finding unity with one another. So Paul drives the point home often to them that unity is, at its core, a Christian concept. Unity is a Christian concept. It is Christ who brings people together. In verse 3 of Ephesians 4 today, you heard these words read. It said, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Think about it. Eagerness for unity. Eagerness for unity. In, the, in a different translation, in the, in the NIV translation, or the New International Version, I like this translation of this verse a little bit better. It reads like this. Make every effort... Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. At all times, make every effort to find unity with one another. Make every effort. So then the question is, okay, good. We desire to be united, but how does that happen? How does unity play itself out? What do we need to do to make unity happen? Well, in the verse prior... In verse 2 of Ephesians 4, Paul says that we are called to bear with one another in love, 
Alright? So, this whole chapter on unity begins by talking about bearing with one another in love. So it begins with love, and that brings unity. And then the very last verse of this chapter, which is verse 32, if you look it up, verse 32 says that we are called then to forgive one another as God in Christ forgives us. Right? So if you want to find unity with people within a Christian context, it begins with love and it ends with forgiveness. How does unity take place? By loving and forgiving like Jesus. Love and forgive like Jesus. This is what brings about true unity. So we talk about these things all the time. Already in this church service, I have already told you multiple times that you are loved and you are forgiven by Jesus. I've already said, when, when your sins are absolved, uh, even when I welcomed you and I said you're alive in Christ, I already told you you're loved and forgiven. We talk about this all of the time. And yet, I wonder how often do we as Christian people actually practice loving and forgiving one another as Christ loves and forgives us? And I would say, not often enough. Not often enough do we actually practice what it looks like to love and forgive like Jesus. I would say more often than not, we just simply avoid the topics, we avoid the conflict, and we probably take the issues behind other people's backs and talk about it with other people instead of loving and forgiving immediately with one another as God has uh, forgiven and loved us in Jesus. Forgiving like Jesus is difficult, and it is hard. I will say that. To forgive like Jesus is actually very hard work. It's not easy. I have an example that I, I want to share with you today. I don't believe I've ever shared this example in a sermon before, but I have uh, used this example in confirmation and, and settings uh, when, I, when I teach junior high kids. And I actually use this example with every um, couple that I do pre-marriage counseling with. So every time that I, I uh, do a marriage with a couple, I, I meet with them for pre-marriage counseling. And the way we do it here is that uh, the husband and the wife or to be each fill out a profile, um, and then they fill it, they fill it out, and that's our basis for conversations. There is a question in this pre-marriage um, profile that, that says this. We have specific ways of demonstrating forgiveness to one another. We have specific ways of demonstrating forgiveness to one another. I think, I think in my years of married people, I think I had one person one time say no. Otherwise, everybody always says, yes, we have specific ways of demonstrating forgiveness to one another. So I always pause on this question and I say to them, tell me about your specific ways of demonstrating forgiveness to one another. They kind of look at one another awkwardly, look at me. They go, uh, well, I don't know, I mean, if something, if we do something wrong, we always apologize and, and say we're sorry and then move on. And that's good. And I say, good, that's wonderful, I'm glad you're apologizing. But have you ever said the words to one another, I forgive you? Have you ever spoken those words? And again, they'll kind of awkwardly look at one another and look at me and say, I don't know if we have ever said that to one another. 
And so, so I'll, I'll play it out then a little bit with them, and, and, I'll, and I'll pick one of them, and I'll say, all right, let's, let's turn the tables. Let's say that I came to you, um, let, let's say we're friends, and I did something wrong against you, and I feel convicted over what I, what I did uh, to you, and so I come to you and I say, hey, I'm really sorry for what I did. What words do you speak back to me? Well, you know, what words would you say back to me? What, what words do you say back? And, and they always say to me, they always say, I would say, don't worry about it. No problem. Forget about it. No worries. I have an example that I, that I want to share with you today. I actually need a volunteer uh, to come and help me with this example. Um, Randy, are they volunteering you? Are you willing to do that? You can have a soccer when you're done. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, Randy, let's come to the stand right here. Um, so, Randy, we're gonna we're gonna say that you did something mean against me. All right. What was it? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, all right. So, Randy, you did something mean against me. You feel feel bad about it, and all you, all I need you to do is say, "I'm sorry." I'm sorry. No problem. Don't worry about it. We're we're good. Cool. All right, you, you take a step aside, um, and so Randy, right, is your name? Yes. So this is R-A-N-D-Y. Okay, this is Randy's folder, um, and it's where I keep his record of wrongs. <laughs> All right, so, so Randy, we're good, uh, but I did write down in here that you, you wronged me, but I just, I put it in the file cabinet back here where everybody else wrongs me, my, my, my file of wrongs, okay? So, we're good, all right. So, let's fast forward to tomorrow when you've done the exact same thing again, all right? So, tomorrow is happening, and, and so you come to me again. Okay. Sorry. You're sorry about that. You're sorry? Yeah. Hey, we're good. I, no worries, man. No worries, right? No problem. All right, go, go on about your day. And then, and then I'll just I'll just jot it down yeah. here in your file. Okay, good. All right, so we do this over and over again, right? Yeah. Um, maybe two weeks later you come back and it's the exact same thing. Finally, tell me you're sorry again. I'm so sorry about that. Randy, you told me on, on this day and this day and this day that, that you weren't going to do it again. And here it is that you've done it again. I can't believe... I told you we were good. We're not good, man. Get out of here. <laughs> Have a sucker, actually. <laughs> Everybody thank Randy. All right. I, I just have this mental picture in my mind that when we, when we say to one another, don't worry about it. Uh, it's no problem. It's sort of like saying it's not a problem for right now, but do it again, and I'll let you know about it. Now maybe you're thinking maybe this maybe he's just talking semantics. Maybe, but I believe there's power in words, and there is a reason that Jesus has given us the words to speak forgiveness to one another, to love and forgive like Jesus is incredibly difficult. It is incredibly hard to forgive like Jesus. Because if I want to forgive Randy like Jesus forgives me, you know what I need to do? There is no record of wrongs. It means that I have to give up control 
It means I have to give up power over him. It means that, that I am leaving myself to be vulnerable, to be hurt time and time and time again. Forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness sometimes even hurts. What did forgiveness cost Jesus? His life. Forgiveness cost Jesus his life. To forgive you meant a death sentence for Jesus. And as he is bleeding and dying on the cross, what words does he speak? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Forgiveness cost Jesus his life. And he has called us as his people to live in his love and to live in his forgiveness. And then he has exhorted us to love and forgive as we have been loved and forgiven. You see, if you're going to forgive somebody like Jesus, it means laying down your grudge. It means putting aside your anger. It means giving up control over the situation and giving it all to Christ who bears with all of us constantly in love. Loving and forgiving like Jesus is how unity takes place. And when people are united in Jesus Christ, beautiful things happen. Because it doesn't matter what you've done or what you've left undone. It doesn't matter where you've come from or where you are going. It doesn't matter what kind of food you like or what country you were born in. It doesn't matter what sports team you cheer for or which political party you vote for. The unity that exists in Jesus Christ triumphs over all of those things. And it is God's good gift to you, dear friends, in Christ. Now, do you realize how beautiful an image this is? If we as God's people within Christendom, throughout the world, live this out and manifest this unity, do you know what the world will say about us? The world will look at us as Christians and go, what is wrong with these people? What's wrong with these people? They don't hold grudges. They, they don't hold on to their anger with one another. They're, they're patient. And they're calm with one another. They're, they're at peace. They bear with one another in love. They only speak well of one another and don't gossip behind one another's back. What's wrong with these people? And they will also say, this is what I'm missing in my life. Because this world does not offer that sort of peace. This world does not offer that sort of unity. The closest this thing, this, the, the closest to this that this world can get is offering you a commonality over some issue, right? Something like politics, which is all the rage these days, is trying to get you to align with it, right? In, in order that you can be against someone else. What has Christ called us to be but united in Jesus? United in Jesus, and Jesus is the only one who can bring about true unity. And it begins with love, bearing with one another in love, and forgiving as we have been forgiven. Dear friends in Christ, let us continue to manifest the unity of our faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior by making every effort and being eager to create unity with one another in that bond of peace, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name, amen.